passage from Matthew always makes me think of Jim Maul, who was my barber from the time I was about five years old to just after I was ordained a priest. Um, he retired. But he always used to tell me, especially once he knew that I was into my faith and was going to be a priest, he always liked to share his faith with me and his story, which when he was a young man had been um, an upright bass player in a, in a big band, a jazz band, and traveled around and lived the nightclub life uh, for several years and was in a, a good-paying job. Uh, live music was big back then, and he was just very depressed. And one night in the hotel, after all the rest of the guys in the band were out partying till late, he went back early to go to sleep, and there in the drawer uh, between the beds was the Gideon's Bible, and he just flopped it open, and there was Matthew 11, come to me all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest, and this one phrase completely transformed his life, he quit the band, went home, went to barber school, got married, had kids, and um, that was it, that was his story, and he loved to tell it, oh, I must have heard that story a hundred times, um, but that was the moment, that was his eureka, that was the resurrection. And what it was remarkable to me about it was that there wasn't much of a visible transformation. It wasn't like he went from uh, like Augustine, a total depraved sinner, to this saint, like a bishop or a priest or something. He went from musician to barber. Um, I think you could be a good Christian as a musician or as a barber. But to him, that's what it looked like to drop his nets, um, that it wasn't a visible, radical, visible transformation, but it was still the moment um, of utter surrender in his life. Um, Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my father. That reminds me of, of the prodigal son story. If you remember, the, the son, of course, runs away and tries to make his life without the father, outside of the father's house. But the older son, who resents when the younger son comes back and gets this nice treatment and is welcomed back as a son, again, um, resents that the father has never allowed him to have a party with his friends apart from the father, like in his own little house on the property, getting to take some of his father's animals or whatever to, to have a little party apart from the father's house. And the father says, um, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. Your, your brother was dead and now he's alive. You have to come back and celebrate with us. You have to be in this communion this is, this is home. There is no, your, your brother tried to go create a home somewhere else, and this is what came of it. He, he was dead. Now he's back. And you want to try the same thing? Like just on the outskirts of the property, make your own little life? What Jesus, what's so remarkable about this passage actually is that it's, some people have called it the Joannine passage of Matthew, that Matthew is a synoptic gospel, basically goes through the <clears throat> events of Jesus' life and tells what he said and what he did. John is much more uh, intimate about Jesus' relationship to the Father. Like you read the high priestly prayer in the Last Supper discourse. Jesus is talking straight to God, the Father. And we get a glimpse of what that's like to be Jesus, to pray, to talk to the Father. In Matthew, we just get this one little glimpse. Jesus exclaims, I give praise to you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Um, everything, you've, everything has been handed over to me by the Father. This is what it was like to be Jesus, not only when he's preaching publicly, healing people, doing miracles, during the trans transfiguration. It's also what it was like for, you know, 30-some years living in Nazareth, a decade of being a carpenter, you know, living a normal, ordinary life, but always in total communion with the Father. Never any separation of like, now I'm living my life, and now I'm, later I'm going to live 
what God wants me to do. Every single moment was penetrated by this communion. Um, but of course, this doesn't make him immune to suffering or sadness, you know, just as it wouldn't uh, for the older son or the, the prodigal son to stay in the father's house doesn't mean to have the perfect charmed life and nothing bad is ever going to happen to you. Um, Jesus was in communion with the Father during the Transfiguration when he's hearing, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We've all had those mountaintop experiences. But it's also in the agony in the garden or the, uh, on the cross. He's in total communion with the Father. Everything the Father has is his, and everything he has belongs to the Father. Um, it doesn't make us immune to suffering or sadness, but it does make us free when absolutely everything is related to the Father. And that's where I think it applies to our life and why Jim had such a, a watershed moment in his life is that like, I, don't, I don't have to make my own house. I don't have to make my own life. God has given me life, and the only way for that life to be worth living is to be living in the Father's house, to, to receive the gift totally from him and give it all the way back in whatever way that looks like. Um, I remember this priest, Father Dylan, only did spiritual direction up at Mundelein. Um, I talked to him a few times. He was a Jesuit, but he couldn't teach anymore. He couldn't really even leave his room. He was racked with such bad back pain um, that he could hardly get out of his chair, and he had like one little position he could you know, be somewhat comfortable in. He was also basically blind. He couldn't see anything. He was supposed to be a major league baseball player when he was a kid, but a backstop, a cable from a backstop, broke and whipped and hit him right in his uh, left eye, and he was a right-handed batter, so he couldn't play anymore. And then later on, he lost uh, eyesight in both of his eyes and became a priest. And um, he just would sit in his room. He could come and knock on his door, go to confession, talk to him. Uh, and he said once, to me, God is like a little kid. Like when you're making something in the kitchen or trying to build something in the shed, he's like following you around going, can I help? Can I help? And you're like, just let me do this by myself, it'll be easier. And, and God's like, no, 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 he won't leave you alone. He just wants to help. Um, but then you realize you just let him help, and then it's much, much better. You know? And there was this man suffering 24 hours a day from pain, really helpless, couldn't do anything on his own, and yet he was at total peace. He'd walk into his room, and he gave off this atmosphere that he was alive. Um, You've revealed these things to the little ones. You've hidden them from the wise and the learned. That sort of communion that God calls us to, what Jesus came to give us, uh, to restore us to, was that friendship with God, that easy fellowship, that communion, where everything he has is ours and everything we have is his.